Welcome to Success Grid, the place for sharing entrepreneurial stories, knowledge, and wisdom to educate and inspire you to always strive to raise your standards in your business and your life with your host, Hussein Talib. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Success Secret Podcast with your host, Hussein Talib. My guest today is Charles Reed. He's a certified public accountant, use tax court practitioner, member of Internal Review Service Advisory Council, and the founder of Good Payroll. He has many companies and provided full-service payroll services since 1991. Charles is an accomplished senior executive and entrepreneur with more than 50 years of financial leadership experience in a broad range of industries and the author of four books. The latest is The Payroll Book, a guide for small businesses and startups. Charles, welcome to The Grid. How are you? Hussein, I'm fine. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome, awesome. So, Charles, you have a vast major, have a lot of experience. You've been uh, building companies, you've been an entrepreneur, you have your own books, you, you are an author. So, tell us, how do you do all of that? The story behind this, let's say, uh, grit that you have, this determination to do things and build things? Well, I come from a, an entrepreneurial background. My father had his own business. Uh, I've started several businesses over the years uh, when I was younger. Uh, so it's it's just something I've always done. But what gives me the strength and the discipline uh, is my, my military background. My father was a Navy officer. I served four years in the United States Marine Corps. So in the military, you learn discipline, both external and internal. And in the Corps, the whole thing is to accomplish the mission, uh, take care of your men, and then yourself. So you have to be selfless in that to, to succeed as a, as a leader in the Marine Corps. And I was a non-commissioned officer. So that translates, I think, very well to business, that if you take care of your customers, uh, get the work done, take care of your employees, uh, things happen good for you. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. Awesome. So you're working now with businesses in in your business, Get Payroll. So how do you, for example, how do you provide the services for them? And how do you, let's say, advise them on what type of business or entity should they go after? Well, that's chapter one of my book is, is entity selection. And it depends on the on the person. Uh, and this business and, and uh, what they're going after. For the small entrepreneur who is it's part-time uh, side gig, uh, sole proprietor works very well. If you're in it with another person, you then have to be a partnership or an LLC or a corporation. I don't normally recommend partnerships because the, the tax situation forms so bad. Sure. So an LLC or a corporation filing as an S-Corp for tax savings uh, normally works. I recommend an S-Corp because the law is better fixed for corporations as opposed to LLCs. But that's all in chapter one, chapter one of my book. So uh, we talk to them and, and, and try to make it the best uh, entity for them. Yeah. So, so you mentioned, for example, are we talking here about, for example, a business, if someone's starting a business, like let's say a solopreneur, someone who's starting their own business and they are still doesn't they don't have a team they don't have a staff they don't have anything except themselves so do you recommend starting immediately and going registering for example the company uh, 
government headquarters or whatever taxes for taxes purpose and other things or should they just start for a re- for one year or two or three years until see until they see some kind of revenue because we know that startups especially now they need some time to make money positive right i i understand that it depends on the business if you're in a high liability business where people are are likely to sue you or you're dealing with the public that comes into your establishment, slip and fall, all these kinds of things, then I recommend that you immediately establish a limited liability uh, entity, either a corporation or LLC, to keep the liability from flowing to you personally. Now, if you're uh, in a non-liability situation and you're working out of the house and it's just you and you're doing it part-time, be a sole proprietor to start. You know, if you only make $5,000 in revenue, the tax savings don't cover the cost of being incorporated, okay? Uh, I basically put a rule of thumb, once you get above $10,000 in revenue, you need to start looking at these things or if you're in a high liability situation. Because if you're you're a solepreneur and you're operating as a sole proprietor, everything you own is at risk. Everything you own, your house, your cars, your clothes, everything, your retirement savings, anything is all at risk. And you don't need to take that risk. For somewhere between three to $800, you can incorporate. Uh, then it costs some money to, to stay. You know, if you're in California, it's $800 a year minimum. If you're in Texas, it's $0 minimum a year. So it, it varies by the state. So in Texas, it's easy to incorporate and you don't have uh, n- any taxes on that corporation necessarily. In California, it's more expensive. So you have to look at where you're at, what your costs are, and what your liability situation is. But there's nothing wrong with starting as a sole proprietor uh, if you don't have high liability. And then once you start getting revenue, go ahead and incorporate and start move your business into a corporation. Yeah, that's a good idea to see some positive things coming in. So let's say, for example, how do you look or how do you advise uh, entrepreneurs in their business now, should they start paying themselves? Does that have any effect on taxes or certain things? If they if they have some certain family members, a spouse working with them, uh, should they include that payroll for them or should they not? Uh, will that affect in a positive way or a negative way for their uh, tax returns or these kind of things? Sure. Well, if they're a sole proprietor, they can't be on payroll. If they hire their wife, if they're in a community property state, it's still a sole proprietor, okay? Because they both they're both in it as a as a single unit. So normally, with your wife, you don't have that problems. With your children under eighteen, uh, you can hire those without without tax problems. But if you hire your cousin or your uncle, then you you have to pay payroll, okay? And once you have to be in in paying payroll. You need to have a payroll service. It's not worth trying to keep up on your own because you have to deposit taxes and file forms. You have to file with the state. You have to file with the federal government. You may have to file with a local government. So if it's just you and your wife, uh, it doesn't matter. Now, if you incorporate, then you have to be on payroll. You don't just get to take draws. You can take some draws, but you have to take some W-2 income. You have to take compensation and you pay it for your wife as well um so 
once you incorporate, you have to pay payroll if you yeah. still work in the business. Now, if you just if you just have a corporation and somebody else runs it and works in it and you don't have anything to do with it except own it, you don't have to be on payroll for it. Mm-hmm. But if you work in a corporation or an LLC that files as an S-Corp rather than a disregarded entity, then you have to be on payroll and you have to file a W-2 and the 941s and the 940s and state unemployment, state withholding, and everything that goes with it. It's a mess. Yeah. So do you think, for example, nowadays with everything now going online and have lots of services online, like, for example, your company, do you think it's a better idea to have the payroll things uh, handled internally or externally and outsourcing them to other to other people and other companies to do this for a certain entrepreneur or a certain business? Well, obviously, I believe in outsourcing because that's what we do. We handle payroll services for small and medium-sized businesses around the country. But even before I started this business, I always outsourced to payroll. Mm. Payroll is a very complex subject. The laws are there, – there's a whole multitude of, multitude of laws, and they change. The, the example – the analogy I use is this. When I grew up, Pele was the world's best soccer player, maybe the best soccer player of all time. Fabulous athlete. But if you took Pele and you put him in a New York Yankees uniform and stuck him at second base, he'd be lost. He doesn't know the rules, doesn't know the field, doesn't know the players, doesn't know the equipment. I mean, throwing a ball, come on, you only kick it in soccer, right? So if you take a businessman who's good at manufacturing, cooking, dog grooming, whatever, and you say, now you have to be a tax expert. He's yeah. Pele at second base. He's lost. It has a lot of aspects, a lot of perspectives, a lot of things going on from here and there. You have to, to understand these kind of things because, like you mentioned, there is some government laws. There are accounting standards and there are maybe international standards, for example, if the company goes big, right? There, there are. And, you know, for my dry cleaner, I've known Brian for 25 years. His wife's a CPA. She does their payroll. I always wanted to do it, of course. And he says, well, when she quits doing it, I'll call you. But he has a professional on staff to do it. So that's fine for him. But most people don't have that advantage of having a professional on staff to be able to do these things. So until you get big enough to hire somebody to do that, and that's somewhere around 250 to 300 people before it makes sense to bring it in-house. Uh, outsourcing is is simple, quick, and easy. You know, I don't make my own clothes. I don't build my own car. I don't grow my own food. I don't even mow my own lawn anymore. Okay, <laughs> I outsource all that. I mean, to yeah. me, mowing a lawn's work. If I'm going to do that, I'd rather do a tax return and make enough money to pay the guy to do the lawn and buy groceries or beer or whatever. So yeah. you're making you know. like, for example, ten, twenty, one hundred times what the mowing lawn so yeah exactly so does not uh, replicate you can you get used of the time it's the it's the value that you have exactly an entrepreneur works works all the time okay there there is no work-life balance for a new entrepreneur (laughs) it's work okay it's just work so, so this is what you believe this is there is no life work but life balance and right there's not so 
with all that work, you always have things to do, most of which will make you money. Doing things to make money is good. Doing things that you don't have to do, that you could spend your time making money, more money than it costs you to, to outsource it, it's silly to not outsource and, and make that differential. Mm. It's just, it's common sense to me. Mm, yeah. So what, 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 what some of the questions that someone or entrepreneur or a small business owner should ask themselves before hiring or outsourcing a payroll company? Well, first of all, un until you get to 250 people or, or so, it's, it's not worth taking it in-house because it's, you're going to have to hire somebody and pay them to get an experienced payroll person that understands it and do what I can do. Well, you're going to have to pay $100,000, okay? You can get somebody for $30,000, $40,000 to do payroll. But if you expect your girl in the office or your right-hand person to do payroll on top of what they do, you're making a mistake. Yeah, they, they so want. You, they want. They would say, "I want more money to do that." It's not. It's not for no, free. Well, not only will they want more money, they'll have to go to webinars, seminars. They'll have to have software. They'll have to have training, and they'll have to have somebody to call and say, "Hey, I got a problem." So you might as well outsource it and save yourself that thirty or forty thousand dollars that you'd have to hire for a payroll person. Now, when you get to two hundred fifty people, that's a whole different ballgame. Your HR people should be understand payroll and be able to do it for you yeah but i i wouldn't even think about doing it uh under under 250 people it's to me i've never done it for smaller businesses i've worked for big ones i mean i've worked for jc pennies and texas instruments and people like this we had internal payroll departments that were numerous people okay and equipment and software and everything else but we were paying thousands and tens of thousands of people but for Five people, 10, 50, just outsource. It doesn't make any sense to try and do it in-house. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So how can someone starting out or have a small business in a legal way decrease taxes? Or I don't want to say avoid taxes, but increase, decrease them in, a, in a, a good way, in a legal way, so that it does not affect their income. Right. It's, it's perfectly okay to avoid taxes. It's illegal to evade taxes, okay? <laughs> so you all, you, you're not required to pay any more tax than you absolutely have to. I mean, pay the minimum tax always. That's the legal obligation is that you pay the taxes that are due. There's no obligation to pay more than that. So you structure your business, you structure your operation, you structure your payroll. For instance, one of the reasons you want to be on payroll is that as a corporation, you take half of your income as payroll and half as dividends. Well, those dividends aren't taxed for employment tax purposes, which is 15.3%. So you can save taxes right off the bat doing that. And, and how you structure the business and whether you pay your, your, your spouse or not, you need to look at that. You need to talk to somebody like me, a CPA, who understands the law and can sit down with your particular circumstances and advise you the best way to minimize legally your taxes. And you should do so. Uh, a, a good CPA should be free. He should save you more money than he charges you. <laughs> That's good. That's a good one. Yeah, exactly. A small one does that. So you and, personally, and you know, yeah. he'll keep you out of trouble. <laughs> of course. So. <laughs> of course. You, you don't want the government coming after you for some money. 
exactly <laughs> yeah so you personally can you give us now how you how your business how how can you advise entrepreneurs from your story how you grew your company to a six or seven figure business how did you do, do that exactly how, sure. what are the certain things that you played on well i started out with just me and the wife uh, we started the business together 30 years ago um, she did the work in the office i i did the the I did the marketing, which was a mistake, uh, and and the, I did the taxes and the filings and the the professional stuff. And working with your spouse, you know, I grew up in a family business. My parents worked together, so I thought it was natural. Mm. Working with your spouse is an unnatural act. Okay, so we had to work through that. But later on, as we grew, and a lot of it was word of mouth because we did good work and took care of our clients, and we grew. Uh, but where it really changed was when I finally hired a marketing person. Uh, and I realized after ha having them on board for just a couple of months that I couldn't market my way out of a paper bag. Uh, and that's the biggest mistake I made was not bringing in professional marketing much, much earlier. I'd be much richer today if I'd hired marketing, you know, 30 years ago. So you have to, know your own strengths and your own weaknesses yeah, yeah, exactly. and yeah, where you're weak yeah. hire people backstop your weaknesses with other people's strengths you don't have to be the smartest person in the room you have to know how to hire the smartest person in the room okay mm -hmm. get them to work for you uh we're we, we grew 40 percent this year oh cool yeah so which is great because my marketing department is being very successful and and bringing in leads and closing them and, and bringing in new business because they know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And I'm very, very pleased with that. And that's doing us very well. Marketing is extremely important. Uh, and if you don't know how to do it, get somebody to help you. That That's one of the big things. That's my biggest mistake, personally, yeah. Yeah. is not I, bringing in professional marketing. I, 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 I guess I think Peter Drucker said his business is about innovation and marketing so this is what you should do exactly so for you yourself uh, uh, hiring your staff was that something that you did personally or the or or already did you have some kind of uh, uh, other people hiring the people that are working with you or for you right now i hired my own people but i was very lucky in that my wife was a very very good judge of character mm. except for once she married me. But <laughs> other than that, she was an excellent judge of character. And I I overruled her one time about hiring a person and within the month regretted it. So as long as Ruth was alive, she passed about six years ago. Uh, uh, she she was my, uh, my HR person, and I didn't hire anybody without her meeting them, probably taking them to dinner, talking to them. And if she said no, we didn't hire him. Uh, she was just that good of a judge of character. Yeah, she had she had she had the internal gut yeah. feeling about people. Yeah, that's she uh, was she just she was a people person. I'm not, so I can be fooled easily about the character and so on. She couldn't be. So if you're not good at judging people, either marry somebody or or have somebody that you know that can help you vet uh, hires. The the first hire is very difficult. The first person you hire that is not generating revenue. Uh, ours was Penny. Uh, this was 
28 years ago, 27 years ago. She was a receptionist, secretary, so on. Uh, she was fabulous. Uh, she gave the best telephone of anybody I've ever, ever hired, ever. Um, she left me and went to work for the CEO of a, a major corporation as their personal assistant. So I was very lucky to have her. So that one was that first one, non cost center person is very hard because they're not making any money. But in reality, she made me a lot of money because she kept the clients happy. She knew when they called, she knew who they were. She uh, took care of them. She made them happy. Uh, she could deflect problems. Uh, she was wonderful. So uh, all your people that you hire should make you money one way or another mm. or make your clients happy, which makes you money. Exactly. So you, you have to hire people. You can't do it yourself and grow. Yeah, exactly. uh, if, my, if if all my people left, I'd be out of business. <laughs> exactly. Speaking of hiring the good people now, uh, CPAs and CMAs and these kind of things. Me personally, I studied accounting in, in, the, in the university at the university. So there is a lot of people who, uh, let's say, studied this the business side of things or accounting side of things. So how do you look at uh, the competition in your realm and your the companies that are doing the similar things that you are doing? How, how do you distinguish yourself and your business from them? Absolutely. Our unique selling proposition is compliance. Our major competitors do a reasonably good job of, of preparing paychecks. I mean, otherwise they'd be out of business, okay? <laughs> But what they don't do is they don't provide compliance help. I'm a CPA. I'm a U.S. tax court practitioner. I've spent three years on the Internal Revenue Service Advisory Council. I understand the compliance side of this better than any of my competitors. If you call one of my major competitors and you say, I've got a tax problem, I want to talk to a CPA, they'll tell you to call your own. And if your own CPA was a tax expert for employment taxes, he'd be doing your payroll. They don't provide professional compliance expertise. Mm. They don't represent you. I can represent a client in tax court. I've got one on my desk today that I'm, I'm getting ready to file a petition on. You can get a whole other bite at the apple by filing a petition with tax court, which costs $60 and delays everything and, and lets you talk to far more uh, knowledgeable people once it goes to docketed appeals. So... These are things I can do for my clients. We had a situation. They hit my client with a what turned out to be with interest and penalties, $95,000 penalty on W-2 filing because it was, it was screwed up. Right. It took nine years. I'd gone through all the levels of appeals. I talked to the director of field operations, couldn't get it through him, went to his boss, who was a regional supervisor. He wouldn't return my phone calls. So I called the deputy chief of appeals and I said, Shelly, I can't get this guy to call me back. She said, I'll have him call you because I knew her. Well, he called me that afternoon. We talked about it. We had it reassigned to another appeals office. They looked at it. They agreed with me. And three months later, my client, instead of a $95,000 penalty, had a $400 refund. Whoa. Cool. <laughs> so that's the kind of thing that somebody that has my expertise can do for their clients. Mm. 
that you you Mike are making you making shortcuts for them easy. You make things for them easier, and you're making shortcuts. These it's things not that, only shortcuts; it's it's knowledge that they don't have, and my competitors don't have. Yeah. It's experience. I'm a compliance expert. Uh, this is this is this is what I do for a living. I mean, this is why I became a U.S. tax court practitioner. These are the things I do for my clients because I became a U.S. tax court practitioner because I watched the IRS becoming more difficult to deal with, Mm. less kinder and gentler. And so I said, I had to do something to better protect my clients. Mm. That's what we're good at. So let me ask you a general question about, for example, taxes and the IRS. How do you look at the super rich that people that are like, the Jeff Bezos and these kind of things and Elon Musk. Uh, these guys, sometimes I read some articles that they are not really paying the taxes that should they be paying. What, how, what do you look on that? How do you look See, at that? You, what you said was, was technically wrong. They pay every dollar that's required. Mm. They have CPAs and lawyers that make sure that they pay every dollar that's due. Every dollar that the government requires them. Now, you and I may think they don't pay enough. I understand that. You know, I, I I don't disagree necessarily, but they follow the law. The law is written by our congressmen and our senators, and that's the tax law. And the IRS enforces that tax law. The IRS doesn't write law. They write regulations to implement law, but they don't write law. It's written by Congress. And if Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates is paying less than you think he should, call your congressman. Have them change the tax law. But they're paying, I promise you, they're paying every dollar that they're required to pay under the law, just like you do, just like I do. Yeah, I pay every dollar I'm required, not a penny more. Yeah, I, I do believe I do believe this is the case because someone who's that big and has that much money, you cannot you cannot run from 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 that. They already know your, your businesses. They already know your resources. The the, the 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 income statements and the balances and the sheets are, are I assume maybe public. So yeah, yeah. I, I promise you, Jeff Bezos spends hundreds of thousands of dollars a year making sure his taxes are absolutely correct. Hundreds of thousands of dollars on CPAs and accountants and lawyers to make sure that everything is correct, filed correctly, and paid in full. Because he doesn't want to go to jail. Yeah, of course, of course he does. What, 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 for, for an extra $100,000 or $200,000, would he go to jail? No, it doesn't mean anything to him. And if, if the law said, Jeff, you've got to pay another $5 million, he'd just write the check. It wouldn't matter. He would care less. Yeah. Okay? But the law doesn't require him to pay more. The, the way he, stru- he structured his particular environment to minimize taxes, just like entrepreneurs should. Yeah, exactly. Every entrepreneur, every businessman, every taxpayer should structure their life to pay consistent with how they want to live as little tax as possible. So if Jeff Bezos says it, what's wrong with that? I, I'm sorry. He's doing exactly what I do. He's doing exactly what you do. He's doing exactly what Joe Biden does, minimizes taxes. Nobody that I know of, there are a few, writes an additional check to the uh, federal government saying, here, here's a donation. (laughs) 
nobody does that to any government. <laughs> so if you do, it's deductible, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. So Charles, what would you say one takeaway from this episode? There, there's a couple of pieces of wisdom that I believe in. One of which is for entrepreneurs, there's never a traffic jam on the extra mile. Go the extra mile for your clients because your competitors won't. And the other thing is, and I sold this from Bill Gates, people will overestimate what they can accomplish in a year and underestimate what they can accomplish in a decade. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's the long haul. Keep after it. Go up, Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep trying. You will succeed in all probability in time. You'll be amazed at what you can do in 10 years. Even though you're disappointed this year, there's next year and the next year and the next year and go after exactly. it that way. Yeah, exactly. Like, like you mentioned, athletes at soccer or football, they are high performance because they, because they are consistent. It does not happen overnight. They take four years, five years, ten years to prepare, sometimes for one event. So it takes time. It, it's they, they say, and this is, I see this, I read it recently, that it takes 10,000 repetitions to become expert at something, whether it's shooting free throws or whatever. 10,000 practice shots. Yeah. You don't do that in a day. You may not do it <laughs> in a year. But if you do it, if you do that repetition, you will get good at it, whether it be golf, basketball, or business. Exactly. Okay? So practice. Exactly. Keep after it. Exactly. Where can people get in touch with you, Charles? Well, it's on my backdrop, Get Payroll, getpayroll.com. Uh, my, my book is available at Amazon or at getpayroll.com. And for your listeners, if they'd like a free copy of my book, if they will go to the payrollbook.com and to the discount code podcast, I'll send them a free book. Awesome. Well, thank you, Charles, for this amazing information that you provided us with today. And my pleasure, Hussein. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of Success Grid. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And if you found value in the show, rate and leave a review on iTunes. For more resources, visit successgrid.net. Until next time.